Hey, what's going on, good people? Welcome back to another episode of Training Well Done, your podcast on the what, the why, and the how of quality training. And today, I'm joined by a special guest. Today, we have Coach Kyla Freeman, our other coach here at Global Human Performance, who is going to talk with us a lot about mindset and mindfulness. Coach Kyla's been here for almost a year now, and so it's been really cool seeing her progress and growth from when she started last summer to where she's at as we get into our second summer uh, post, I guess, in this COVID world, at least since she's been here. Uh, What's going on, Coach? Nothing much. You know, just enjoying the sun today. I'm happy to be here. How are you doing? Oh, I'm pretty good. Is this weather much more like it was in California? Yes, most definitely. Like every day it was like this. (laughs) Every day was like this? Yes. God, what Sunny and like 70. (laughs) What have I been doing with my whole life? Like, I really just don't ever want to live anywhere where it's not 70 degrees, like 10 months out of the year. Yeah. I mean, people always ask me, why did you come here? Right. And I say to experience something different, but I didn't know, you know, it's like winter nine months out of the year. It feels like sometimes. (laughs) All right. Now it's not nine months, maybe like (laughs) like seven but like it's not nine months gosh <laughs> oh that's horrible um I guess so you've been here for what how many years now um including college I'm going on seven I think yeah so that's like almost a third of your life so you should be acclimated now right yeah for the most part I still definitely like get cold uh with the winters and stuff but I've definitely adjusted to like how how it works out here Oh, geez, you have, that means you've been here since you were 18. Like I said a third, but I didn't really calculate when that means that started. Oh, wow. That's like almost exactly a third of my life. (laughs) You're not wrong. (laughs) Oh man. Um, Cool. And so now you've been here coaching for the better part of what has it been like 10 or 11 months now? Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's about to be a year, I believe in July or August. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, totally loaded question. Like, how's that experience been? <laughs> yeah, that is a loaded question. Um, but I think it's been great. I've definitely grown a ton. I would say, um, some of it is like growing pains and some of it was like really fun and, you know, just getting to know myself, um, growing into who I am as a coach and the type of coach that I want to be, um, learning how to develop coaching styles and how I interact with the athletes and, I feel like it took me almost like six months to finally adjust to being confident in myself as a coach. So um, it's been great. Like, honestly, I really enjoy what I do. And like I said, it's it's been a lot of learning and growing, which I feel like is your 20s anyways. So it's been great. Yeah. And so listeners, today we're going to talk a lot about mindset and mindfulness for you in competition and how to think about, you know, framing yourself in competition and, and Coach Kyle is going to really take us through a good lesson about how this works. But while we're on the topic, like there's a certain level of mind, mindfulness about how you've had to adjust and I guess in, in working on your mindset even and that transition to like coaching basically full time. Um, and so, you know, not only just coaching full-time, but also this aspect of getting full-time into like this type of a career versus what you were doing before. You share a little bit about like what you mentally had to work on just in making that like transition. 
Yeah. So um, that was huge for me because um, as you already know, so I'm a very type A personality. So I, I like to have my schedule looking the same. I like to know what I'm going to do. And then that helps me put in practices and things to take care of myself in life. And so one of the biggest adjustments of being a full-time coach is that you're not always on, well, honestly, you're almost never on your own schedule. Um, you know, you're on the schedule of your members and your athletes because, you know, you have to be flexible. And so having a flexible schedule that changes all the time, it was hard for me to do my own mental practices like over and over again. I was, you know, struggling a little bit with like fatigue uh, mentally and physically, like trying to get enough sleep and eat enough and like practice my mindfulness and all this stuff. And so it was a lot um, in that manner. And when you're in college or even performing as an athlete, you realize that you didn't really do a very good job of balancing everything uh, when you're in college. And I think the best thing is to accept the fact that there may not always be balance. Um, so yeah, in the beginning, it was definitely like really challenging, but I'm definitely starting to learn. I have a coach myself that helps me uh, be well-rounded in my practices. And so just learning how to give yourself a break um, adjust and kind of focus on being in the present moment is really what I've been focusing on. And that has honestly helped me take everything like day by day, because you really, that's all you can do. And as much as you plan, you really can't like plan what's going to happen in your entire day. Yeah. I think we have to have that built in kind of cushion to realize that we should be structured, but sometimes being too rigid can also be a pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Now, you know, we've talked, we've been already talking a lot about like just being able to work on that mindset and adjusting. How did this become so important to you as, as a feature of what you do? And for listeners, Coach Kyler talks a lot about like mindfulness and, and adds a very big component to that mentality when it comes to how you view yourself um, in general and especially through competition in sport. But like, how did this become a thing? Like, take us back to your sporting background from when you were younger and like how these things came to be. Yeah. Um, so I've been playing sports for my whole life. I think I started probably when I was maybe five or six. And so I feel like, you know, I've had so many different experiences with different coaches, different teammates, you know, being on a winning championship team and being on a team that can't win to save their life. Like I've had all these different experiences with all these different types of people. And I think one thing when I got older and as I like dealt with different injuries throughout my career, which I'll get into detail in a second, um, I realized that mentality is not commonly coached. And so something with me is that I actually ran track in like the seventh grade for the first time, but I used to get so anxious before the meets and like, you know, the meets when you're in seventh grade last literally the whole day, you're there from like 7am to like 8pm. And so I would just be anxious the whole entire time. And I hated that feeling so much that I actually quit after my first year. So like, after seventh grade, I just stopped running track, which is funny, because I ended up running track in college. Yeah. Um, and then when it came to basketball, I was like, no matter how much I practiced or how good I really was, I was afraid to like want the ball. So like there was a lot of times in the beginning of my basketball career where I like didn't 
want the ball. Like I was like, no, don't pass it to me because I don't want to mess it up. But I was like more confident in defense. And so those are things that like are examples of things that I look back on. And I'm like, man, like if somebody would just told me like, you know, this is how you can get rid of your anxiety. You know, these are tactics that you can practice so that like when you go into game settings, you're not so nervous. And then you mm-hmm. can put all those skills that you learn behind the scenes into like what you do on the court or, you know, on the track. And so as I got older, um, like I just developed a very competitive mindset. I think that just comes from playing sports as a young, you know, a young person, I was naturally super competitive. So I always wanted to get better. I was a very hard worker. Um, And then as the harder I worked, the more confident I got in my abilities. And then with track, what was different is that I was just really good at it. So naturally I was just so good that there wasn't a whole lot of like psyching myself out because I just knew I was fast. And so that was like a big, huge difference when it comes to something like that takes a lot of more technique. I mean, track takes a lot of technique, but a lot more of like a team aspect like basketball. And so, yeah, like as I've gone through um, my life, I just realized that I've had teammates that will literally start a game and say, I know we're going to lose. Oh my. Yeah. And that would just make me so angry because I'm like, how are we going to go into this game? It hasn't even started. And you're going to tell us that we're going to lose. And then even going into college, what you think, you know, you think the mindsets would be great in college, but I was on relay teams that, you know, we're in the elevator, you know, head into the bus. And they're like, I don't even know why we're doing this. Like, we're probably going to lose anyways. And so, you know, I just, I'm like, all right, this is a real problem. And so that's kind of what influenced me to really focus on mentality and bringing mindfulness. Um, I do really focus on it with a lot of female athletes because our minds are a lot more sensitive and that innate competitiveness is not really taught to us when we're younger um, as much as it's taught to like boys. Um, Mm. So yeah, that's kind of like, honestly, the short story behind why I got into this. Okay. Okay. Wow. I I see that happen sometimes when I'm coaching like high school track and like, especially newer kids or not overly talented or like talented enough to be able to compete and are like, Oh, like I'm going to go into this and lose or even our own kids who like went in the States, like, you know, they felt real confident in other races and then like, you know, be like, oh, we're going to lose this four by four. And it's like, prepare to get last. And it's like, bruh, why, why would you do that? You know, not everybody's going to have their best day. And if you have your best day, you still might beat people out. But they were like so psyched up. They were bottom of the sea at States and that rat race. And like, that is infuriating. Like how, what's the point of competing if you're going to walk in thinking you're going to lose? Mm-hmm. Like, why not just stay home? <laughs> exactly. Um. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> At what point did you start becoming more aware of like the fact that you thought so hard about this in regards to like mindset and thinking about that in competition? Like when did you start realizing that that was like a focus point for you? Yeah. um, Honestly, I think I didn't really notice until um, college, honestly. Um, So when I got to college, I, you know, competed as a freshman. Um, I ended up towards the end of the year, I started getting really bad shin splints. um, And then they ended up turning into stress fractures. And so um, just even through that, I 
I realized that, um, you know, a lot of people that get these scholarships and, you know, are participating on these like very, you know, high level teams don't actually really want to be there. Um, and so when you're forced to sit on the sidelines, all you do is observe. You watch what people do at practice. You still have to come. Um, you know, so when I started getting better, I did go to some meets, but I wasn't running very much. So you just start to like observe. I'm a very observant pers person naturally. And so then I realized, wow, like, you know, I have way better like mindsets than these people, like, but I'm injured and I have to sit on the sidelines. And so that's honestly when I became super aware because I just thought when you go to college, everyone wants to be there. Everyone wants to work hard. Everyone wants to be the best. Like I just, that's what I assumed the college experience would be like. And then it was just the complete opposite. Mm. I'm not saying every team is like that. Um, and I'm not even saying that it was even like necessarily our coaches fault all the way. Um, but it just depends on the person and like why they decided to show up. And so, yeah, just being on the sidelines is when I finally realized like, oh, like people don't really want to be here. They don't really want to work hard. They're just good at it. So they just show up. Mm. And so could you speak a little bit about that aspect of certain athletes who like they kind of just go through the motions, but they're so talented. It takes for them to get in like to a really, really competitive situation for it to kind of be noticed. Yeah. So I can, I can like somewhat relate, but like not truly. So like I said, I was always a hard worker. That was just something I was naturally good at, but some people, like I said, they show up and they're just super good. And so it's almost like an ego thing, right? When you're super good at something, you're like, well, I'm going to keep doing it because I get praise when I'm good. I get praise. Like I get first place, whether it's like medals or, you know, people talking to you or clout or like whatever it might be like you get that praise, but you don't actually like the process of getting to where you're at. So you don't appreciate it. Um, you don't think about it and you just really don't enjoy the process of getting to where you're at because you didn't have one. You just showed up one day and you were fast and then you just kept trying to be fast. Um, and then, you know, you just, you're just there. And so what happens is that you know, it's almost like subconsciously, they just know, they don't even know the feeling of being second or being mm -hmm. last or working hard to go from bottom to top. And then, you know, they get to these high level experiences and everyone's like them. Everyone was their top dog in call. I mean, in high school, and then they all come together in college <laughs> and now it's who works the hardest. And they're like, Oh, like what happened? And so, yeah, yeah that kind of mentality is just, you know, you can't always blame the athlete for that. Um, but one thing you do have to be aware of is that as coaches, you have to remember to put these athletes in, in the competitions and like, whether it's invitationals or whatever, where they're not always first, where they're like, you know, if they do come up first, it's hard, you know, they have to have a good race um and things like that so whether and then you can do that in practice they can mimic that in practice as well like if they have a teammate you know that is better than them or on the same level always putting them in you know the same um groups when they're running workouts and things like that or making them go chase somebody mm -hmm. right like you have to create these experiences where they are not always first and that way you know they're able to to have that drive and that feeling, you know, I want this. And so, like I said, you can't always blame the athletes because it's like, okay, if you're good, like, yeah, you're going to be cocky. Yeah. You're going to, you know, it's hard to not let that clout get to you. But like I said, when you, when it comes to competing at a high level, you know, everyone's like you at that point. And so, yeah, yeah that's like the very, like the, 
I guess, the mindset that goes behind those types of athletes. Okay. And so as you kind of like went through your college career uh, running track, could you, you said you had got the stretch. Could you highlight a little bit about that college track experience and how that really further brewed that for you before we segue into like it being a more of a professional focus? Yeah. Um, so my college experience was interesting to say the least. Um, so like I said, so in high school, I actually tore my ACL, uh, playing basketball. And so I recovered from that. Um, I came back, I ended up running the same times that I did as a sophomore. And I say that as a background, because I think because I wasn't rehabbed correctly, I started running different in college. And so whatever running posture or form, um, it caused me to not be able to handle the amount of training that the school, like that pit was giving me. And so my body could not handle it. And so mm. from the very beginning, I was just not in an environment where I felt like I was being pushed by my teammates to be better. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that was okay for me at first. Um, but when you don't have like a supportive group or role uh, to help you get to where you need to be, it can be very hard. Um, and so from the very beginning, I had to push myself. And so, you know, you're a freshman, you're coming in, um, new coach and everything. And, you know, halfway through the season, my coach leaves. Mm. And so, yeah. And so that changes mindset too, right? Like dealing with change was something I had to deal with pretty much throughout like my whole um, career in track. Uh, so, yeah. So like with that experience, right. With, with going through my freshman year, doing pretty well in the beginning, your coach leaves, then you have to adjust to um, a new coach, which was, you know, our, uh, you know, 400 meter coach, like he was like a mid distance coach, adjusting to his type of training, going into championship season, participating. It was just a lot of adjustment. And then I got injured and I was literally injured on and off from, you know, that like one season was end of my freshman year to the middle of my junior year. So I would come wow. back, get hurt come back, get hurt. And so it was like a constant, constant mental battle in, you know, with teammates, with my body, with the training, like with lifting with it all, like I gained a lot of muscle weight because I wasn't running. And so that's a, a lot, right? Like I say all that because I was like literally living the mental struggle of like maybe what one athlete like experiences, right? Like Maybe one athlete experiences the gaining weight part and one athlete experiences the injury part. And one mm -hmm. and then one athlete, you know, might struggle with the team aspect and one athlete might struggle with the injury aspect. And so as tough as it was, I was dealing with all of those at the same time. But it was also kind of a blessing in disguise because it brought me to where I am today. And I can speak to a lot of athletes about a lot of different experiences because I personally went through them. And so I feel like that type of, you know, strength is what happens when I coach. Like I bring that out a lot when I'm coaching and, you know, anyone just wants to be related to. And so the fact that I can literally go inside the minds of them because I'm like, okay, maybe I don't know your exact experience but I can definitely relate on some type of level I feel like I'm able to learn and speak about like mindfulness and things with athletes a lot more and easier 
That's cool. When I'm thinking back about my experience, I definitely wasn't as mindful. I don't think I had a horrible mindset, but it definitely wasn't as good as it could have been. And I don't think I was really very aware of it even until like I got much older and I started playing like ultimate Frisbee and like, I don't know, I was more mature about it. It's crazy that you like had to deal with all of those things at the same time. And especially be on and off injured like that. I know I haven't personally suffered too many injuries. Like I have a torn meniscus that I've worked through, but that was really it. And so I had a little sciatica issue when I was running college track, but the team part, you know, it's interesting how that can really, you know, get into somebody. It's like a sinister thing. Uh, one of our athletes, I remember when we had a workshop, uh, one of our mentoring sessions, the last one, and she was talking about how, you know, being the undisputably best person on the team and having such a small team and no one's coming, like we didn't have any meets at home. So like there weren't a lot of people there to cheer on and support her. And she was like, it just wasn't as fun. And even like, I know for me, when I went to college, college track became like way less fun. And I don't know if it was just because like the meets weren't as social and um, I don't know, it just didn't feel as entertaining. And I didn't realize how much that actually mattered when it came to track. Like high school track was so much fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. My high school track experience is great. <laughs> so yeah, I can definitely relate. But yeah, that team piece, that definitely plays a role. And then thinking about coaching styles and realizing that, you know, there's there are very many different ways to structure how to make somebody faster. But some of those ways certainly work better for some bodies than other bodies. Like, you know, I know there's a lot of track coaches like, oh, yeah, everybody's going to run the four. And they like tout themselves as great at building people to be able to run great fours, which is cool. But then there's like some athletes who I've just come to terms with they're just not, it's not to say that they're not built to be able to handle that, but like, they're certainly much more in favor of being a one, two type of person, especially even a one. And to train exclusively in that short distance, it feels like it requires a different type of training that if you're not getting that, it becomes very frustrating. Or if it's the other way around and you're somebody who likes a lot of volume and you're not getting, I had this experience my junior year of high school. Oh my God. I run into this coach all the time and it drives me crazy. <laughs> and he was my coach my junior year. And this man was so dead set on not overtraining that like all workouts were not very hard. And I'd have to go to like a second practice to be able to get a real full workout in. And it was like, bro, like I thrive on volume. Like my body thrives on volume. And, um, and it was just not getting it. And I didn't really think about how much that mattered until like later. Like there's a lot of those things that, you know, usually people have to deal with one or two of those, but you got hit with a whammy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's like the coaching, everything matters. Like all these little tiny things that you don't realize until you're not doing the sport anymore. It's just like, it all matters. Yeah. So as you became a professional, you started, you know, I guess getting into the mindset of wanting to teach people about this, like, how did that come about? You, I know that before you started, uh, you know, training here, you had done clinics, you've, you've worked with different teams. So like, how did that come about? And, you know, what was the goal of it? And what's been the, what's been the goal of it? Yeah. Um, so like on the most basic level, um, I was a marketing major that didn't want to do marketing anymore. And so I just realized that like coaching was 
my passion. And so the way I like, so I knew that athletes worked on mindset. I knew that was a thing. I was like, oh yeah, like I want to do that because I feel like I can talk to people about their mind. Like I've been through so much, like I can do that, but I did not know there was a term for it. And so I actually came across the term for it um, by this guy, his name is George Mumford. Um, and he is like huge in the sports mindfulness wor world. So sports mindfulness is basically like about being in the present moment. So like a lot of people have heard of like mindfulness in itself, right? It's focusing on being in the present moment and just being, and then like sports is right. Adding that to the sport and being able to practice that when, you know, athletes compete. And so I was like, oh, wow, like this guy's kind of cool. Like, you know, and then one of my favorite athletes of all time, Kobe Bryant, was huge on practicing mindset. And so he had, you know, for those of you that know basketball or follow basketball at all, um, Phil Jackson is a very famous coach. He coached the championship Lakers. He's coached, you know, a lot of championship teams um, within the NBA. And so I really just took kind of their information and I used it. So like I took the information that I heard, like I got Jordan Ferb's book, um, a mindful athlete. I, you know, watched Kobe my whole life. I listened to interviews and then I like talked about, um, or I listened to interviews with like Phil Jackson. I was like, yeah, like, okay, this is what like athletes do. People already practice this. This is already a thing. I did not hear, you know, it a lot from the female athletes, but I did hear it a lot from like, you know, NBA teams and NFL teams and like all the big sports. And so that's how I got into it myself. And so I just started taking like a dive in and funny thing, thing is like I wanted to teach it before I even practiced it myself and so now like I you know I've been practicing it as well as teaching it and that's you know kind of like the background of how it came to be so like when I realized myself oh wow like this doesn't just apply to sports this applies to your whole entire life and the fact that I can teach an athlete how to navigate different aspects of their entire life through sport was something that was <clears throat> excuse me so inspirational so like that's how I got into it and so I've worked like I like you said I've worked with different athletes and different teams and I've seen you know and heard things I'm like oh I know exactly how to fix that mm. like you know through like what I've learned through what I've experienced throughout what I've practiced and so that's kind of how it came to be um professionally okay so one thing that you've talked about with uh, your workshops and the one that we have coming up are these four keys of mindfulness. Can you take us through those and like, you know, examples of what that looks like? Yeah. So um, the four keys of mindfulness um, that I developed, so I developed these personally. These are ones, like I said, that I took from the book. These are ones that I've taken from personal experiences and professional athletes at all levels and all sports that I've watched over time. And so the four keys um, I have are hard work, uh, awareness, attitude, and confidence. So those are the four things that I think, you know, and know, honestly, that you need to perform at a high level. So to break them down, right, hard work is pretty self-explanatory, but it's it goes in this order specifically because it's like a, fine, a foundational thing. If you're not willing to put in the work, you're not going to get to any of these steps because all of it takes hard work. And I think um, when people hear hard work, they either get, you know, oh, I can do that. Or they kind of like get fearful about it, right? Like if you have a hard workout, people are like, oh gosh, I don't want to do that. 
And so um, the idea of hard work is defining a positive relationship with hard work. So that's kind of like the foundation, right? Like, why do you work hard? Because you see results, which is not always the case, right? In life, um, you can work really hard and not see results, but just trying to develop that positive foundation that, you know, working hard is something good. So working hard can be beneficial for you long-term. And so then that moves into awareness. Um, awareness is both, you know, mental and physical. So one thing that I do that's different than a lot of people, um, like a lot of sports therapists and, you know, people that practice mindfulness is that I like to mix the physical. So when you're an athlete, you can practice a lot of mental, but like, if you don't know how to do it with your movements, it's very hard. Mm. And so awareness comes into body awareness. Like, how are you landing? You know, do you have balance? Can you, you know, fire these muscles at the right time when it's time to get a rebound or when it's time to just start on the track, but it's also being aware of what makes you angry. You know, what, what throws you off during competition? What is your motivator? Um, being aware of these mental aspects that help you, but also hinder you. And then attitude is how do you handle these things? How do you handle, you know, when things do not go well? How do you handle when you're on a team that is not that motivating? How do you handle it when you have a coach that is not good? Um, and so these are, your attitude literally controls how you perform. And so, like I said, right, being aware of those triggers, then bringing that attitude and being, okay, I know that when I get pushed, you know, in a game, it makes me angry and then I lose my head. But if I can change like my attitude when it comes to that, it's like, oh no, I'm gonna score on this person, right? Mm -hmm. It flips. Um, and then the last thing is, right? Like even what I just said, I'm gonna score on this person is a phrase of confidence. And so mm -hmm. there is a fine line between confidence and being cocky. Like we talked about earlier, the athletes that just show up and they're really good. That is not always confidence. When you're always winning, like, you know, you're never being challenged. So yeah. that's not necessarily confidence, but confidence is having a bad game and still being able to say that I am a good player or, you know, having a bad race and say, I'm still talented. It's being able to accept it when failure happens and so like a lot of people think confidence is like oh i just you just know you're good and you just carry yourself and you just know you're the best and honestly the worst athlete could have a lot of confidence and that's that's the truth and so in adversity how are you like do you attach your personal well-being your personal identity to your performance and really just learning how to separate those two things it's like I'm still Kyla Freeman, you know, I'm still a good person, you know, I still try hard, even though I got last place in this race, or, you know, I missed the winning basket. And so that is really hard, right? Confidence is a constant um, thing that you have to work on. Same with all these other things. It's not like, oh, I've reached this pivotal moment where I'm the most confident person in the world. Like, it's just, it happens, you know, things change, and you have to continually work on that. That detaching piece is real, even outside of sport. I catch myself doing that just in business where like, if things are well, my self-worth feels better. But if things aren't so hot, like it's like hard separating like the entirety of this from like who I just am at my essence. Cause it's like, oh, like, you know, it might be a bad month or a bad week or like things are about to get pressing or like maybe I made a bunch of mistakes and it's like, I'm horrible and it's like, no, these are a bunch of not so great conditions right now that you have the ability to fix. 
versus like when things were going great and it's like, oh, I'm paying bills ahead of time and I got this going on and I got, and I got like, oh, I'm a high roller right now. And it like, and it, it feels good to be elated, but then you're like, then I'm like trying to temper myself. Like you're feeling artificially elated, calm it down, buddy. And like, you know, you should make this feel more normal. I had the confidence thing, uh, you know, just to kind of speak upon that happened yesterday at practice for my ultimate Frisbee team where like I was playing on like a line. So like an ultimate Frisbee practice, you have like different lines of seven that play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was playing on one of like the certain one that was more offensively focused, although there were certain people that weren't there. And we were playing this particular part of practice, which was it was a score to 10. But if offense scores on the first possession, you get two points. And if defense scores, they get two points. And if it's split, you either get one or none. Mm -hmm. And so there were moments where like I was not as in tune, like athletically, I'm good enough to be there. But tactically, it's not always there. I'm still kind of newish to the sport at that level. And so tactically, things aren't always there. And I had to have conversations with myself like, all right, no, we're going to go out and score and dominate. Make this easy. Like, I'm talking to myself. Make it easy. Like, don't make it feel like it's so strenuous to go out and play. Like, it's just pitch and catch. It's fun. Like, go have fun. Mm-hmm. I have to remind myself of these things. I'll get caught up in my head. And I realize, you know, one thing we talked about the athletes is we all have our different cues and how we instill our confidence. For me, confidence comes in if I just take the pressure off. And it's like, have fun and, and talk a lot. The more I'm talking when I'm playing, the more at ease everything comes in. When I get in my head and I get insular and I don't want to talk and I don't get antisocial, I play worse. Mm-hmm. And like, and having that self-talk, like I'm sure the one guy, Kenny, was standing next to me in line and I was like, oh, make it easy, bro. Like you got this. And I think I had just scored too. Like I had just make, made a really nice series of plays. And so I was like, yeah, make it easy, bro. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Like you got this, you know, you, you got them. They, you know, you could do this, that, and third. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah just trying to have that little yeah moment. no that's funny because oh yeah sorry I didn't mean to interrupt good, but I think the funny thing is that like you said when you remind yourself to have fun that's like when you perform your best and I feel like the most confident athletes are actually the ones that just start a sport so like really you know yeah and so I think that because like especially if they're like pretty decent at it right like they may not be the top athlete but they're also like not the worst Um, because they don't have any like idea of like what you're supposed to try to achieve necessarily. Mm. And so it's like, you know, you're like, Oh, this is fun. I like to dribble. I like to shoot. Like, this is cool. Or like, you know, running fast is fun. And I seem to like get third place. So that's kind of cool. And so they go into these races like, yeah, I want to win. Yeah. I want to do this, but they don't have like that, that goal oriented like idea yet and so like when you're so fresh in the sport which is why I love like little kids sometimes like when I work with them um you know that's not like the age group that I work with very often but when I work with them you know they'll they'll straight up talk smack to you. they've never played a game of basketball or like ultimate frisbee in your life and I'm about to whoop you in this sport <laughs> <And you're> like, <laughs> what <laughs> and so yeah like I think about it like that so that's funny that you say that because I feel like when we can relax we can just be right like the idea of just being you know present in the moment is when we are the best and so oh, yeah, like that's sure. exactly like all right, I remember it's like that kid mindset of like oh this is cool like I'm just gonna do my best like you know I want to be him you know that just natural like nourishing and competitive mindset 
Oh yeah, that's real. That's real. Made me think about <laughs> the little kid talking to Mac. Makes me think about Johan, like how she's like got new to track and she's like good, but not like great yet. But it's like good enough to realize, oh, I'm actually pretty good, but not so experienced that you're like, what? How does this work still? Yeah. Whereas exactly. like some of her exactly teammates of. get a lot of pressure you know, even though they're in very similar situations, but they have too much experience. And so they know a little bit too much of what they need to be able to achieve. And it's like a world of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> so can you list off what those four keys, was that the last one or was there another one? Uh, that was four. Yeah. So hard work, awareness, attitude, and confidence. Okay. Now, could you share some moments like, you know, whether it was, you know, your time before GHP or even your time here when like you've seen these different things in play with some of the kids that you've coached, whether it's in the moment or in retrospect after a conversation later on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I actually want to speak to a, a more recent one that um, actually happened at GHP, which really excited me. I like you know, when these moments happen, like you say, you just can't help but like, you know, attach a little bit of your self-worth to it and you get really excited. And so uh, we had an athlete and she just, you know, she was running decent the whole year. Um, she wasn't running what we know she had the potential to run the entire year. Um, but like, we just knew she could do better. And like one of the, the biggest things was that she was afraid of getting tired and she was afraid of doing bad. And so at that same mentoring session that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, we talked about that and that really hurt because I was just like, damn it, you know, like, I know you could do so much better and you're so strong. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you're such a strong runner. And so uh, she came up to me like right before the city championship meet. Um, it was like during one of our track side and she was like, you know, we had talked to her, you know, about these things, like what are some tactics the tactics that she can do and she you know was like I don't know so like I wasn't even sure if it was getting to her or not but she comes up to me she goes I want to win I want to try to win the 800 keyword try and I was like I don't know there's no trying here like you're just gonna do it and she's like yeah like <laughs> okay I'm gonna win the 800 because she was going against one of our other athletes that's older more seasoned um and that athlete hadn't ran and you know 800 in a really long time but she was still going to be competitive and so you know I'm at the city championship meet cheering her on and she comes in first place like it wasn't easy but like she definitely comes in first place and she prs right i am so overjoyed because in my head i was like it was really just a mindset switch she could have ran that time all year it didn't just like magically pop up like she just wasn't just magically you know got just this extra little strength in between now and the race that she did you know a week before and so that was like amazing to me because it was like going in, I talk about all the time with every single athlete that we work with, going in with a winning mentality. I don't care if you're racing freaking Usain Bolt in your race, like you better say he has to earn this. And you know what, like, even if you're like, let me like have two steps where I'm semi close to him, right? Like just having this, this mindset of winning. And like, you can even hear in my voice now how excited I get about this is because a lot of it is, you know, these very talented athletes that just don't believe in themselves. Mm. And, you know, I, you know, was upset a little bit about like one of the coaches saying that she wasn't competitive or like other athletes weren't competitive enough to run in this like big. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah. You remember that? 
I was so mad. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like what what people say, it matters. And so like, you know, one of our other athletes didn't go because she just thought like, oh, I probably shouldn't compete. Very much could. Um, And so, yeah, that's like one very recent experience that I can remember. And then um, I guess like on the other side of, you know, not necessarily... Um, I wouldn't say it's not successful, but like it just took, takes a longer time for it to set in is that I was working with a basketball team and the girls on this team were phenomenal. These girls were good, but one thing they could not do was play together. And so mm-hmm. you just had a bunch of egos on one team and it really like it stunk because they were so, so, so talented. And so it was them and this one other school and they were rivals and they had so much natural and raw talent. And so I worked with them for a while, but I couldn't come consistently because I was working a full-time job at the time um, outside of coaching. And so, um, you know, on on the success side, I had a couple athletes come to me and say, you know, oh, I thought about your deep breathing, you know, before I shot my free throw. Or, you know, I thought about calming my temper, you know, after a bad call because of like, you know, my pre, you know, game routine, things like that. Um, Those were like the smaller successes, but overall as a team, they could not get over that. And so I think, I think about that as like, you know, everything doesn't take like a couple seconds, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months to improve like a whole team, but they did make it to the championship. They, they unfortunately did not win. Um, but they did make it. And I think that was because they finally decided to use their minds to come together as a team. And so, you know, of course it wasn't just the work of me, it was the work of their coach as well. Um, but I think it did start to sink in a lot later though, like a lot towards the end of the season, because in the moment, um, unless I was present at a game, you know, I wasn't able to see like the fruits of like that type of labor. And so, yeah, like I, like I said, working with teams is very different than working with individuals. Um, you just have to be mindful of, you know, the small mental changes and the amount of time it takes to make those changes. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. And I think that's a good reminder for anyone listening who coaches or especially even parents, because, you know, you have a lot of interactions with kids that be very mindful about the things that you say, because while you might not get an immediate response of changed behavior in that moment, those things fester, you know, think about how often you are reviewing conversations that you've had, whether it was like, oh man, I wish I had said this, or especially like if you had an argument, you're like, oh, I wish I had said this, this would have really got them. <laughs> but like your embarrassing moments, or even just things that were wise to you or things you were told that they didn't have as much relevance at that time, but you thought about it months, weeks, days, or years later, and then you started incorporating it. I have those moments happen to me where things that, you know, situations I go through now, like, oh, this was a, you know, this was something that mattered. And so being mindful of that, just because you are coaching your kid or your athlete to, to do something in that moment, especially if it's more mental, it takes time. You know, we think about why we practice to be able to get better at things. It takes time for that improvement to happen. So be mindful how you talk to people because it, at least that's a good reminder to be mindful of how you talk to people because you don't know how that's going to affect them years or months down the line for better or for worse. Yeah, no, most definitely. And um, 
Yeah, I think that's what, you know, as coaches, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to say stuff like, man, I shouldn't have said that, like out of frustration or out of like knowing that an athlete's like potential is there, but they're not reaching it. Um, but I agree. Like you said, it's, it's one phrase. It takes one phrase, both positive or negative that can change this athlete's outlook on what they're doing. And so um, I think that is a, honestly, it's a great honor to have that as a coach, but it's also something that, you know, is kind of scary too. Um, so just like, you know, also for like all our coaches, remembering that there's ways to take it back. Like, you know, you can come back, you can talk to the athlete so that, you know, months, years later, it's still not affecting them. And, um, you know, practice it yourself and, you know, create a team environment that allows you to keep you accountable, but like your team, you know, your team or whatever it is, um, gym association, they're keeping each other accountable for being positive as well. Yeah. I, uh, it made me think about that detachment piece. So like our one girl who's graduating, going to college for track, I've attached so much of her success to me and it's like, oh, this is her life this is her own thing that like if she were doing, if she were doing well, it was all on her still. But like when she was doing bad, I'm like, oh, my God, this is like bad on me, too. So now I'm like doubly hard and doubly frustrated. And, you know, while I've generally not said anything foul, I've definitely had moments where I was like, I remember we were at a meet and this was this year. This was a couple months ago, not even maybe a month ago. And we were at it was our last dual meet. It was our last dual meet in McKeesport. And she had she knows exactly what's wrong. And I have to remind myself, she does not need a reminder. I mean, it's encouragement to push and do these things right, but you don't need a reminder of how slow you're running right now. And so we were we were having a good day. Like she won the races and or whatever. Her times weren't good, but she still won and it feels good to still win regardless. And so I forget what I said to her, but it was something that was like a slightly bit of a jab and she was having a great day. She's like, coach, those are not the vibes. And I was like, oh man, like, ah. Uh. And like, ah, I wish I could pull those words back. I don't remember what I said. It wasn't anything harsh, but it also was not anything positive either. Mm -hmm. And in thinking like, you know, as this kid moves along, like, all right, you know, reminding myself so proud of, you know, how this person, how she's moved along and, and through this career and everything like that, just had some unfortunate circumstances that compiled upon themselves that led to a bad year. And like, you know, making sure that also remind, no, she might know this better than I do, uh, being reminded that your self-worth is not attached to these times. Like you're, mm -hmm. you're still a great person. You still did all, you still worked hard. You still achieved all these things and you still graduated and going to college. So like, reminding to be proud and, and reminding myself to say those things. Um, I'm, I don't want to be the hard line coaches. It's always, this doesn't fit me, but also, you know, I'm have to, I, I, my own development, even as just a human being with giving compliments and being praiseful, I can be very praiseful at a very, at a certain deep level of odd things, but like also some things that are more obvious that people just want to hear that are like maybe a lot of people say, but like it still feels good to hear from certain people in regards to like being proud of you for doing X, Y, and Z things and reminding kids of that. Because, you know, when we think about memory as we move forward in our lives, yeah, certain moments we do remember pretty well, but our memory is largely emotional. And remember, we remember how events 
in circumstances make us feel, but we also remember more how people make us feel. We may not remember all the moments with them, but when you see somebody's name pop up or you see them on the street or you see them in the mall or you hear somebody talk about them, you have an emotional response that's based in memory. Mm -hmm. And it's about how that person made you feel. And so, you know, being mindful of those sorts of things. Yeah. And I think the one reason one well, no, there's a lot of reasons, but like the biggest reason that she like still respects, you know, what you say and she cares about what you say is because you established that relationship ahead of time. So like, you know, you've worked with her for a very long time and you've, you know, helped her through multitude of injuries and things like that. So, you know, it's a reminder as well as like, you know, yeah, your words are sensitive, but you have to develop a foundational relationship where a majority of it was encouragement. It was like, okay, I'm here, you know, to help you be better. And just, you know, I think you don't give yourself enough credit um, to say that you did express that. And of course we could always do better at expressing, you know, encouragement and things of um, that nature. But at the same time, it's like, you have to push them and you have to like get on them because sometimes they are not going to want to push themselves. Um, and so, yeah, it's like finding that, that weird balance, the one that works for the athletes. And of course, like when it comes to, to a lot of female, you know, runners specifically and, you know, athletes specifically, they need more encouragement um, than the, you're not, you know, the football coach, you're not, you know, anything like, you know, yelling in your face type <laughs> motivation. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. seem to be a common thing. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. And so to clap, to close this out, I'd like you to share a little bit about how you incorporate this mindfulness into yourself, uh, into your work professionally uh, in regards to like, you know, how you, how you uh, work with athletes on this. And then also to share about opportunities for people who are listening to be able to work with you when it comes to this. Yeah. So I, um, so personally, right. Like I'll just make this the short. So personally I do practice mindfulness. Um, I am probably into practicing it almost, pretty much every day. So mindfulness is not just sitting down and meditating all the time, um, but it's, you know, focusing on the tasks that you have at hand. It's focusing on, you know, doing, you know, washing your hands, right? That's practicing my, how the water feels on your skin. And so I do practice it every day. I have seen the benefits of it, you know, being, being in the moment. And that helps me have a clear mind when it comes to coaching, right? If I'm thinking about a million and two things that I have to do outside of coaching or a million and two things that are happening, which is hard, right? You can't bring your life into your job always, which is hard, but right. It impacts that one person's session, that one person's, you know, track side experience. And so that's what helps me become a better coach. And then when it comes to working with athletes, how I practice this is the constant reassurance when they do something right. And so it's, you know, for example, one of our kids, you know, struggles with getting his back straight when he does trap bar deadlifts. He was struggling a lot with breathing. So when he does his breathing properly and his back is straight when he's doing these trap bar deadlifts, I always say, way to go, like you got it this time, or like you're getting stronger. Always like constantly reassuring them of you're being mindful of what you're doing right now and you're going to get rewarded out loud by me when it comes to that. And then when it comes to competition, constantly saying, Hey, you know, you're strong, you've got what it takes, you know, what are some, and then asking them, what are some things that you can do, 
you know, to be better? Like, what are some things that you can do to start a technique that is helpful for you? Um, or, you know, what are some phrases that you can say to yourself that are going to make you better? Whether it's convincing people to run in, you know, meets that they said they weren't going to run in. Like, I'm just always the big pusher for, hey, take that last chance, <laughs> you know, do that, do that thing. And so that's how I bring it into coaching with my athletes is just like, I feel like encouragement is like my gifts and so I just naturally like always do it and so um there's that aspect and then if you guys you know want to get involved you have athletes um that are getting involved you can definitely reach out to us um on our website um we can set up like a success strategy call and we can talk about mindset we can talk about you know what are those barriers um to performing at a high level and then we also for those of you that are local and you do live in Pittsburgh we have a camp coming up um, on July 10th, where it is a four hour intensive camp that focuses on those, those mental principles that I spoke of. So the hard work, awareness, attitude, confidence, you know, it's a camp that is, you know, jam packing those things into something, you know, a lot shorter than it should be, of course, but it's taking the tools that everyone needs and giving it to you guys to practice. And then if you want to continue to learn more about that or you have like a specific issue whether it's performance anxiety um or maybe you know you just suffer from like not being able to perform under um pressure things like that um please like reach out um through the global human performance website uh you can also like reach out to me i'm kyla at ghperformance.com and you know we can chat about that and you can follow me on my social media page as well i post a lot about mindfulness, whether it's related to like injuries um, and, you know, other things related to like form and running and practicing all different types of mindfulness as an adult, as a kid, as a kid. Um, so it's authentic fit and it's A-U-T-H-E-N-T-I-K-F-I-T and then training um, at, on Instagram. Uh, and so, yeah, like those are like the ways that you can reach out to me. I love to help. Um, and we also will have an ebook coming out soon. That will be like, kind of like the base steps. Awesome. I don't have to say any closing notes on this one. Uh, Kyla gave it all. So, <laughs> Hey, thanks. I hope you all got something out of that. We told a lot of stories. So, you know, what I like, what I invite you to do is leave us a comment, you know, shoot us an email, um, you know, give us some feedback about how, You've had to work through your mindset when it comes to you training, competing, or even just getting through your day and, and thoughts about how these things might relate to you. Um, and make sure you know, check us out, reach out. We love to be chat and be social. Um, thank you, coach. Uh, I think you got to coach some more later today. I have a little bit of coaching to do, and then I'll be done as well for the day. Um, all of you good people on here, make sure you like, subscribe, and share this show with a teammate, with a training buddy, with a friend, a colleague, or if you're a parent, you know, listen to this with your child. Encourage your kid to listen to this. Um, there's a lot of good episodes uh, in regards to different aspects of training, but this one, I think, very in particular, would be great for a youth to listen to. Uh, if you're a coach, you know, play it for your team. Encourage your kids to listen to it. Um, you know, leave us some feedback about what you think about the episode. Uh, other than that, we will catch you next time. So um, stay well and we'll see you next time on the show.